From the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum in the heart of Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call upstate Manhattan. <laughs> I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we are turning our local artist spotlight on theatrical wardrobe professional Laurel Parrish. Laurel graduated from the University of California at Santa Barbara and is a proud member of IATSE Local 764, the Theatrical Wardrobe Union in New York City. Her career has spanned many companies and venues, from the Juilliard School to Ringling Brothers to Brishnikoff's White Oak Dance Project. She's been with the Broadway musical Wicked since it opened in 2003, first as a principal dresser and then as the Glinda dresser for many years. Currently, she holds several positions at Wicked, including managing the costume stock and acting as the advanced wardrobe supervisor on the Wicked National Tour. We're going to talk about her work and so much more, but Laurel, first, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. Sure thing. It's really good to see you in person. Uh, <laughs> right? I used to see you at events all the time. <laughs> and In passing at the And store. now I feel like I only see you on Twitter. Uh, uh. Or, 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 or wherever you may, you may lapse around the social world because it's just hard to find people these days in yeah. person. My Twitter is currently a curated screed of support the arts, support the arts, but... I think that's... It's got some attention, so hey. Well, that's a great thing. <laughs> I think the screams are needing to be heard. Yeah. Um, and the arts always need to be supported. And who better to support artists than artists themselves? Yeah. Uh, well, I can't believe, but it, we're recording this at a time where we now just eclipsed a year since Broadway, off-Broadway, live performances in general okay. have been shut down by civil authority, <clears throat> which just sounds like we're in our own kind of like medieval play. Yeah. Um, uh, are you, I mean, well, I'm just curious how you're doing. How, how are you hanging in there? Hanging in there. Because you are one of the thousands mm -hmm. who were suddenly left without a job a year ago. And uh, to put it bluntly, have you made it through the year? <laughs> um, yeah, yesterday was one of those, you know... Uh, Trauma anniversaries are always hard. And yesterday I was actually on, I was in Madison, Wisconsin with the tour on the day the shutdown happened. And we were in the middle of a matinee. We had two shows that Thursday. We're texting furiously back and forth. Cause like, it was like a rolling tide. Somebody said it was like the Dementors were hanging over us <laughs> this week. I was like, yeah, you know, you could feel it coming. Um, in the afternoon, in the middle of our matinee, Cuomo, the minute he limited group gatherings we knew like that that was it that was us so i'm getting texts from everybody at day work and in rehearsal at the theater in the new york um sending pictures of the costumes all draped in fabric and everyone and we were still doing our show and we did our evening show and wisconsin hadn't shut anything down it was you know state by state they had sort of classes maybe ended a little early it was spring break they were going to spring break anyway but they hadn't really done a ton of the limiting things that were happening at that point and so we did our evening show but and again this is like yesterday that like tide of facebook posts that everybody had everybody remembers we got curtain we got applause when the curtain came up and that never happens in our show it's just not a moment in our show that is applause worthy or it's not staged for that it's like the it's not that thing but the curtain came up and the audience applauded and we were all back and it was just like oh they know they know we know it's just and we didn't know it would be our last show but it was and i actually um there was a talk back that night and this, the audience was super supportive and then the next day 
I kind of went, you know, we all sort of went around our usual Friday and about six o'clock we got the notice company meeting and that Wisconsin had shut stuff down. So we sort of like scrambled to get home. And I mean, I at least as the advanced wardrobe supervisor, I only go out for a week. I go out for the first week. So I'm not a tour full time. Right. But there are people on tour that like don't have homes. Yep. You know, that just had to scramble to get to some kind of home base or find an Airbnb. So I came home and it's just been this like, we thought it would be a month and that was weird. And I thought maybe I could do some office work because I have an office job too. <laughs> what was I thinking? And, and they were like, no, we're not, we're not paying. We, we can't pay anybody. We, you're not, you know, you're not leaving your house. And also we don't have money to pay anyone. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's that moment of, we thought it would be like a month. So you look at your savings and you're like, okay, this is maybe doable. And then we all kind of knew before, like the, the press statements went out, like, closure by closure we originally it was may and then it was like august september but we kind of knew so we're like okay it's going to be the fall and then there was a point when the tour was going to come back in december and when they finally when they pushed ticket sales to net to may i think that was like the biggest longest like six months away and that was the really big one and even at that point we knew it was like this is just a, a numbers thing and they have to make the statement but it's really not going to be till the fall at the earliest so it was just like, you're looking at like your, how am I going to make it through in these chunks of, okay, a month, okay, six weeks. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I am one of the fortunate ones whose unemployment claim went through without a hitch. Wow, good for you. First couple days, I think because we knew right away, everything shut down so suddenly, like there was no work that we, I, I feel like theater workers, Broadway workers in particular, were that very first, that like March 14th or whatever that Monday was like we were on it right away and it was like the following week that the restaurant workers and the other entertainment workers really flooded the system mm -hmm. and I only had two one job so I didn't have a lot of um, complications to my claim and I've had like so number one how I've made it through savings number two how I've made it through um, unemployment which thankfully has been relatively painless and number three I mean I cashed out I took a big 401k withdrawal I wanted that money just sitting there for security um and I'm glad I had the option of that. It's, um, it was, it was a financially feasible and thing for me to do, and it's not going to hurt me too much in the long run. So financially, once I got my financial ducks in a row, it sort of made the, how am I going to get through this a little easier? It hasn't actually made any of the trauma and depression and stress easier, but it was just like, it wasn't the thing I had just felt like I was going to have to scramble, um, every day. Um, I made a lot of masks. I gave them away and I sold them. And it's really fun because I sold them at um, Inwood Gourmet, a little store in our neighborhood where I am now working and selling cheese. Um, but selling them in the neighborhood has been really fun because I see them in the wild. I saw someone like at the store, you know, out on the street at the farmer's market earlier with one that I knew was mine. So that's been fun. We're such a hyper local little neighborhood. Sure. So selling it at a local store like that, I, I see them out in the wild all the time. And that's been a really cool thing. That's fun. But yeah, it's really been just like a chunk of time to chunk of time to chunk of time. And, you know, I, people have left, people have like done other things. I just didn't have the wherewithal. I didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, this is home. Um, didn't really have the desire or the means to like suddenly start a new career. So I've just been sort of like scrambling, doing some freelance projects, trying to keep more within what I normally do than, than going completely outside of it and doing what, you know, selling real estate or whatever other people have, you know, have found, have landed in, which is so amazing. People have done these amazing pivots and it's incredible to see. Wardrobe 
is a job that requires the utmost intimacy. Uh, so regardless of what industry you're in, <laughs> wardrobe and theater, it, you know, despite the hope that we are all vaccinated by the time we all return to producing theater again, how do you think life backstage is going to change? And, you know, kind of adding that too, as I think about it, uh, you know, what steps do you hope to see taken uh, by, we'll just say, people themselves, uh, let I alone, mean, let, forget unions and producers. It's like, yeah. you know, people themselves because uh, uh, to make working conditions safe and feasible. I mean, I've this is you know, I've been through endless like Zoom. Yeah, I'm, I have my OSHA ten training now, and we've you know there yeah. you probably know this too. There have been endless COVID compliance COVID officer training compliance, and stuff like and, that. And you know, and and, and the thing is, that's all the re- fine. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the re- again, I fully, I just the pivot, especially last summer, and we'll see what this summer brings. That people have done to outdoor performances and adapting has been amazing. Nuts and bolts, you can't do what I do without people being vaccinated and there's that's the thing like we knew there, there is we had you know we've had conversations early on about oh everyone's gonna wear a mask until they go on stage i was like not my show they're not like no that's just it just it, it can't happen that way i mean i i think things there will be i think there the backstage may be stripped down in terms of personal items and just having more space to maneuver um and you know but even you know the the hygiene theater about cleaning services not that it's not an important thing and is a thing that should always be done is not what drives this this virus as we know as we know from what happened in the first weeks of of covid when so many broadway companies were devastated because when you sing in each other's face that's how you yeah moulin rouge was the first company to really get nailed uh, yeah, o- o- openly our, our, our company was actually pretty only a few people in my company at the time even um at least they, at least they were aware they had it right that, that knew it yeah at the time early on there was one one company member that was that i that was diagnosed that i know of i think some staff some house people but i mean they were moulin rouge come from away jack little pill all were you know had really we were, we were quite lucky for yeah. whatever reason um that were there were companies because it's like, it's like oh yeah I guess that is and it was before at that point I, I remember just being sort of not confused I was like wow I wonder if there's something specific about singers being affected because at the time they were still telling us to like wash your hands a lot and they weren't talking about it being airborne or admitting that it was airborne so we weren't understanding that oh no literally what you do is what can harm you so yeah I don't I don't think large scale shows like mine can really come back until there's until everyone is is vaccinated or immune or a percentage of us are, I won't feel safe going back to work until I'm I am. I know that, um, especially on tour because we're you know we work with strangers that right. you can't contain, um, you can't bubble, you can't do what the NBA did. So I think I think things will change in terms of the awareness and and I hope just because we've all been so through <laughs> through so much. They're just a sort of, I would love to see a kinder, gentler in general vibe. Not that, it, you know, not that it's ever a bad vibe, but there's, uh, you know, especially in a long running show, you can get, you get very comfortable and you get very laid back and things, you know, it just, I think, I think if we all take more care for each other, I'm that's honestly the biggest thing that I kind of hope happens because I don't think we can do physical, make physical changes to what we do. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know how intimate could it get backstage? Just from the wardrobe perspective, you're literally pulling sweaty garments yeah. off someone else. 
Yeah, it's and not, holding it's not like you, It's not like you can say, I'm sorry, I can't touch you. Can you put it in the basket over yeah. there? Usually, sometimes they're just, it's not time. Yeah, I mean, there may be, I think there may be case. I think there may be instances, and again, this is like, they're finding that it's that that's not a major, even though people are still very, you know, yeah. how do we quarantine it's, the clothes? The I feel like that's thing. not, yeah, it's really is the airborne thing. But I think that just a, as a general safety thing, I think there may be adjustments to quick changes where the actors do more of the work, mm-hmm. um, do do more of getting themselves out. There may be adjustments to things and then yeah. a dresser steps in. Um, it's entirely possible that dressers will work with masks and and shields the whole time. I mean, bite lights, thank God, I think will be a thing of the past because I hate them anyway. Oh my God, I know. And they're super unsanitary, so yeah. that would be fine. I think there's going to be, and there it's more um, environmentally friendly if we do like battery or rechargeable headlamps or neck lamps or whatever. I mean, there are options that, that are yeah. perfectly usable. But at the end of the day, it's about being in the same room with people. Yeah, I mean, in, at the end of the day, it's about making sure that the theaters are ventilated properly and that things are cleaned properly and that, you know, I, I I can't even imagine what a testing regime looks like because even that's, you know, not taking temperatures at the doors as hygiene theater. I mean, there's still so much that that people that I think think that is that is being discussed that won't hurt necessarily. But, you know, in my inexpert opinion, isn't really what solves it. What solves it is herd immunity. Yeah, I, at least I, for again, at least for a, a large scale show like mine. When you look back to the you know the era of James the first, they just closed everything. They just said <laughs> we're not. Don't even think about it. You'll, you'll when it's done, we'll open them again because <laughs> yeah. I think there is the the. Granted, we have science technology; it's quite advanced since that time. We'll <laughs> hope, uh, but yeah, I mean, unless everyone's safe, no yeah. one's safe, right? Yeah, and we've been like our you know, and I think that's. There, ha- you know, there have certainly been. I know over the past year, everyone, everyone wants to get back to work. Our producers, all the producers, sure. all the workers, everyone are working towards the goal. All the politicians, like we all want to be back to work. But I think, but you know, there, no one's going. No one's. No one's going to. Po- I, I do have faith that we won't be in, intentionally put in a position to that is unsafe. I mean, I think we're still learning things and there may be choices made that might need to be, you know, changed. But, you know, I, I think what it, what it really comes down to, I think, you know, this last week they're talking about the fall and I feel cautiously optimistic that that is going to happen. So. Well, and I think your job, um, having spoken to a lot of other GMs, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the road's going to come back before Broadway does. That's what I'm hearing too, which I don't, yeah. That, that's, and that has to do with... Um, because those theater, because you know, they won't, they can't and won't come back at a half at a lower capacity. Like they just can't. And Broadway relies on tourism, so the Broadway house, Broadway capacity, those houses rely on people coming in from out of town, and road houses more rely on subscription based. Like they have a built in. Those people, those are butts and seats that already have paid for those tickets. And thankfully, a lot of people, you know, like bought their when this all started. They're like, here's my money. Here's my money for whenever you come back. I will buy that season when in 2021 2022 whatever it is and that has kept a lot of those afloat those how that's that makes me nervous but we'll see just because they're you know they're in states that have because it's so state by state and as a person from new york dealing you know i i come in and out and dealing with people intimately training strangers you know what i mean um so i think that is the thought and the idea and I am super fortunate to be at a show that will be, I mean, the good thing about being at Wicked is that we're one of like the big, you know, we're, we'll come back. We're, 
we're one of the the, the bigger, longer running shows that has more of a like a solid grounding. So you I have feel, a great brand. Yeah, we have a good brand, exactly. But you got a great boss, Alice Gilbert. I know I mean, she's amazing. Kevin, she's there. fully vaccinated. Good. <laughs> got that email this week. So. I love Alice. Oh, yeah, that's great that's, to hear. Oh yeah. And uh, Kevin. Yep. Shana's still around. Shana's still around. Yep. Shana's is there. Yeah. All my good friends. Haven't seen any of them in a year, but you know. Well, that's the tough part, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. Tough. So can uh, for those of you uh, who are listening who may not know, uh, I'd like for Laurel to just tell you a, a little bit about what an advanced wardrobe supervisor <laughs> does. Just because you said she she only works a week, that's it. And like, <laughs> no, she 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 works consistently going out. Um, and I yeah. want to like, could you tell a little bit what that means? Sure. So uh, a national tour of a Broadway show, they travel with their own cast, um, some musicians and their crew, but. For the first week of each city, all the departments um, bring in several extra people to help train the local crew and set everything up. So that's known as the advanced crew. There's an advanced electrician, there are advanced props people, there's advanced carpenters. Every department has um, an advanced person that works that first week. And so I, it's, it was a great job. Like I just started a little over a year ago and it's great because I got to travel, but I didn't actually have to be on the road the whole time. Um, got to stay here, got to do my New York part of the Broadway part of my job as well. But basically I go out, I fly in, I like 8am on the, that first day we go in, we meet the crew, we load in, we get everything set up and started. And the, the set has already been up and they rehearse a little bit in the afternoon, talk people through the notes. I train the alphabet dresser and I work with her mostly. And then some of the other principal dressers. And literally we, I walk in the theater at 8am theater I've never seen before crew I've never met before and that night we do a show which is still insane to me because <laughs> I come from a Broadway like background where it's like we have we have time to rehearse and we get to like really finesse things and on the road it's like boom boom and it's so, like those crews are amazing it's really it was it's been really great for me to learn more about my show and to learn to be like work a little bit more on the fly and stuff like that um and that's why I'm only there for, you know, I would go out for a week. And sometimes, depending on the show schedules, um, a lot of times the minimum engagement that Wicca will do is two weeks. So, and they'll sometimes it's up to four to eight weeks. So there have been times when I go out for a week and they're somewhere for two months and I don't see them again for six or seven weeks in the next city. But there are times when there's a bunch of back-to-back two-weekers where I'm a week in New York, a week on the road, a week in New York, a week on the road, back and forth, back and forth. So just kind of depends on how um what their schedule is like and i have no idea what that looks like going forward i think they're talking about longer sit-down engagement which is great which is easier for everyone frankly um but takes a lot of that part of that job away from me because <laughs> i won't get to go out there as much and i won't see them but it's fine it's all good but you're busy here too doing stuff yeah work, i also right? work um in new york i split half my time at the theater and half my time in our storage space um in the garment district where it's like 38th and 8th we have a big uh industrial space where we keep all of our um our stock costumes and we do all of the fittings for new people there we do publicity events out of there um constantly maintaining uh build you know fitting sending stuff out to the road is a big part of it because uh most of the time ensemble members in particular will go straight to the road they won't come to us necessarily first so a lot of times i'm just working for measurements and packing stuff out People so. don't understand. Um, so thank you for saying all that because <laughs> I don't think people, many people, I'll say, quite realize the preparation <laughs> that goes into putting yeah. a show on the road. Yeah. Uh, it's and and also in Wicked's case too, it's not the exact same show that's on Broadway. 
it's close enough but yeah it's there's close. and that was another big learning experience experience for me just like the little the little differences yeah. i actually set up the i first encountered and worked with the tour a few years ago before i took the advanced wardrobe job on we did a production of wicked in brazil five years ago five five years ago now um and i went down and set up like i worked with the wardrobe crew there and it was the first time i'd set up an entire production because alice had always done that in the past mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, I'm not doing a 10 hour flight. You can, you can go to Brazil. Um, and, but the, the Broadway production is the only one that works like it does. So the tour productions and all of the international productions we've done are more based on what the tour is. So I went out to the tour to learn their setup, um, and how, and kind of more how they do it. And it's quite, it's different. It's very different from Broadway because then Broadway, like you get to burrow in and really like own your space and constantly tweak how the space works but when you're on tour you can't do that because the space changes from week to week so you can't get complacent in like where your where your quick changes are or you know even where your gondola where your dressing area is is going to be different from week to week the dressing rooms will change the distance from the dressing room to the stage will change the you know the abilities of the crew will change mm-hmm. so it's a big um big lesson in being adaptable do you have any fun adaptable stories for the road for <sighs> local show crews Honestly, for the, it was mo- most of those, most of my stories to this point are about me What's, learning was, to adapt. But those, those are fun <laughs> are about too. me freaking out because I'm so used to something being in one place and everybody looking at me going, calm down, princess. It's okay. This is but that's, that, but that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not, it's not a derogatory thing for the yeah. show. Listen, I, I'm from Cincinnati. <laughs> we had plenty of road people. That are, our local crews were fantastic. It's, but yeah. it is, I, I just, I just find it's, it's, you'll lose five pounds in a night of water yeah. running around. Uh, I mean, of a pure adrenaline I'm talking about. Yeah. And if, if you, if you get ahead of yourself, so to speak, and cause the, cause the people who are locals are so good. Yeah. Like they're so trained and they know each other so well. Yeah. Uh, and we're at the point now with wicked where we've been through cities enough that often. And again, since I work with the principal dressers, I more often than not will have a dresser that's dressed alpha before that knows the track and it's just a different actress. The notoriously difficult theater to work in, one of the most beautiful, the Fox Theater in Atlanta, um, is notoriously difficult to work in. It's one of the old movie palaces. It's got no crossover. So you literally have to go downstairs, run through the basement, and go upstairs again. You can, there's no direct path from point A to point B. So it's kind of notorious in that way. And there's elevators, this like wonky elevator that goes up. It's It was an... I, sh- I got there and I was like, what is happening? And everyone else is like, yeah, it sucks, but we've done this before. But... The alphabet and the Glinda dresser had both done it like five times, and they were both and I they they were, t- they were like they're just like no this it's fine just follow us this is how we do it here, and you know they're great and it's a real it's a real gift to have people that even you know five years later have that muscle memory of doing those those quick changes and knowing those clothes and just having to deal with a new actor but everything else is the same. Well, when we come back, whenever that is, <laughs> um, you know, we have. I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to be on a rolling basis mm-hmm. when things come back. Um, you're a lifer like me in the industry. We're, we'll, we'll be there till the end. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious, uh, what are your aspirations um, for your next step? Obviously, working is the first aspiration, which is a great thing. <laughs> um, but uh, within your industry or beyond, because you said earlier, it's like this is what you do. Mm-hmm. This is what you're focused on. And, and Wicked is such a fantastic show. Uh, 
you know, do you have other aspirations to work on any other shows? Uh, <laughs> because the reason why I asked too is like um, we spoke with Rick Molina mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago, yeah. who's been working with you for a very long yeah. time in guitar. He's been there since the beginning as well. And it's like, uh, do you like to swing out to other productions and work on the and then come back to Wicked? Uh, or uh, I'm just curious, like, do we award supervisors? So like, do play different roles, so to speak, within your industry to keep things fresh for yourself. I've been super lucky, and here's the thing: when I say that I have like all these jobs at Wicked, I'm a unicorn. There is no, I do not. There is no other Broadway show that has what we have, yeah. and that I've been positioned to be in. So I've been extremely lucky to be able to make all these lateral moves within my show, um, and not have to like take the risk of leaving. But I mean, right now I can't. Right now I just want to get us like back and up and running because I don't know what that's going to look like. Of course. And um, you know, again, my bosses are always great, and they're always they would always be open to me taking leave to do something else. But then when I started the the tour job, that doesn't leave me like I I can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just I sort of I sort of boxed myself into a little bit of a corner when I took that on, but it was something I really wanted to do, and it, it's like literally it's the same show but totally new challenge. I mean, it still blows me away that we walk into theater at eight a.m. and do a show at seven. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's crazy with people that I've never met before. It is still and it, it, like the long term road people. I don't think I would ever want to go on the road full time like though like like they are. I don't. Um, Maybe maybe when I was younger, I toured a lot with dance companies. When I was when I was younger, those were like smaller, more focused. Like, yeah. do you miss dance? Weeks. Do you miss because you? you, you I do. You I do what I don't. I mean, yeah. it's um, I it was great. I did great international travel. I was with the Jose Limon company for a long time, and we were in some really insane. We were in El Salvador. We did a lot of South America touring. Went to Croatia. Like, I, I miss um, I miss kind of seat of the pants stuff like that a little bit, but um. I also like having health insurance and <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a better salary. Although I, I don't know what the dance world looks like now. I, that should be fair. But I was doing those jobs when I was like 25. So, Well, I but. happen to know the other unicorn that had your job, <laughs> Christina Cochiara. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I, do know, I, I do know there's life after it. So that's, what I'm, that's what yeah. made me think of uh, who's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. uh, person. And uh, <laughs> One of the last people I saw in person over the summer. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, she's great. She's out in Queens. Yeah. Um, she's still alive. She's doing well. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I just know that she's gone on to do many great things. Yeah. And uh, not that uh, Wicked isn't a great thing in itself. Uh, but I was just curious. Um, because for being a lifer in the industry, it it, it and as Rick also mentioned too in his <laughs> interview, it's like it's great to have a little bit of diversity at the same time as that you're incredibly grateful for mm. such a great show you're doing. And um and yeah. <laughs> Loading at a show and putting it up in the same night is enough to keep anybody on their toes. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's really, it's, crazy. it's really crazy. Wonderful. Um, well, uh, being uh, at the say at the apex of your career, I'll say, <laughs> uh, working at a great level, even though we're waiting for it to resume performances, which, you know, you said fall twenty one, uh, most likely twenty two for many of the larger productions, because. As you also mentioned before, and I think everyone is in agreement in the theater world, is like, we can't come back unless it's full capacity. It's not economically feasible for us to do that. Um, we have a hard time sometimes selling full houses as it is <laughs> in the best of times. Um, Wicked ha- happens to be one of these wonderful shows that has had a, has had a wonderful uh, history of being a hit show. Um, one in, one in, it's one of those one in five Broadway shows that have made it. Um, the other four do not uh so do you have any advice for people who have 
let's say either young people coming out of BFA programs or FIT or uh, people just in general who are fantastic stitchers and they want to transition. Uh, I've always wanted to try to get into uh, the theater world, uh, but yet it's harder now. There's zero jobs for the people who are in the theater world. So do you have any advice? Uh, and most likely they're not in the union for the most part. Um, so start either starting out or just where they happen to be in their life, working where they are. Yeah, The advice I have now is, is very different than it would have been a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, oh God, uh, I would say look to regional and look to educational theater. Um, cause I actually never had like huge aspirations to work on Broadway. I just, um, needed a job and Juilliard hired me and that's why I moved to New York. Like it really was not, I really, really wanted to stay in California. Um, but why it's like, it's not a theater town. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but as difficult as it is, um, cause I, I used to always say, build up your resume in any way possible, but I've become a much like I, I've, I've gotten away from that because the exploitation of artists and of craftspeople and, you know, being expected to work for free has has really damaged in the long term a lot of where we're at now. Um, so I wouldn't say I mean, I guess I'd say build up your resume as much as possible while working for free as little as possible. <laughs> it's like there's not I don't there's no framework for that now because there's nothing happening. So it's really hard to say like what is um what is out there? Um, but know what you want to do is a big thing. If you want to be a costume designer, but there are wardrobe jobs available, don't think that being a wardrobe, that working in wardrobe is going to get you design jobs. That is, they are two different departments. You really need to learn the distinction. Designers, it's the, that's the design department. They set the look. They decide what the costumes are going to look like. The wardrobe department maintains that look from opening night. Once everything sets on stage, that's the wardrobe department's job. And even moving forward through like the 17 year run of our show, I'm, I sort of run the wardrobe ends of end of stock. And then I have a, a colleague, Amanda Whitten, who's the associate costume designer who has also been with the show since the beginning. And she is Susan Hilferty's like eyes and ears on the production, does all the fittings, every new, every new fitting, every new principle, every new fabric that's chosen from the design department, she does that. So like the, we're like the two ends of that in our office. And just know, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if you want to get your hands and if you want to learn theater, how I, I actually for, for aspiring designers in particular, I would advise taking some wardrobe work and learning how costumes should be made, you know, learning how costumes should work on stage and not just what they look like and getting that knowledge. But don't think that that will a get you design work um and don't go in as a wardrobe person thinking that you know more than the designer because <laughs> there's nothing more annoying as a wardrobe person working with another wardrobe person who thinks they're a designer and who doesn't care to learn the wardrobe parts of it um and as a wardrobe person if you if what you want to do is what I do, what I've always wanted to do is be backstage, work on the show, work with the company because I worked in costume shops for a long time too. And I really missed the family. I missed the theater itself. I missed the energy. I missed running the show. Expand your skill set as much as possible. Having a lot of things on your resume, knowing millinery, knowing how to do shoes, being a, being a stitcher that is actually a stitcher and not just like I can stitch and then sit down at a sewing machine and be confused. Like really expanding your skill set in terms of what you can apply to wardrobe. That will that is the best way to get yourself 
in the door of any theater from anywhere if a wardrobe supervisor is just looking for people to bring in you want to bring the broadest set of skills and even if all you want to do is dress still have those skills because there will be additional day work that can get you in the in the um in the door to meet a supervisor to get you know a paycheck um coming in and doing laundry and doing stitching calls um and then moving up into doing dressing work um but yeah, that, that is actually the biggest piece of advice I have for wardrobe people is just like, even if you hate painting shoes, learn to do it. Because if you learn to do it, you can sh like show up at a work call and say, oh, I can absolutely paint shoes for four hours. Then that will like, that'll move you forward. And I will say this. Speaking as someone who hates painting shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this. And doing laundry is totally underrated. Yep. That's a great call. And it's a great rate for that call. Well, and laundry on the road, like... And that's another that's another thing I really learned because in again in New York like you know the the wardrobe the super the, the the wardrobe setup is the same we know our machines we have two or three different wardrobe people we have longer calls we have an eight hour call every day to four to eight hour call um, we know the actors like the wardrobe people knows the names it, it's just so it's a much more laid back whole thing on t on the road like your wardrobe person in that in that theater is one of your most important people because the calls are shorter there's they they're coming into a room full of dirty laundry they've never seen before and it's a real skill to keep that organized and to like follow those notes and i've been and it that's that was one of the biggest eye-opening things for me is like a good laundry person on the road is amazing to watch and a bad laundry person on the road can really mess up your day <laughs> and just have things in the wrong place and have things not done on time and um because they're just you know it's not necessarily their fault they just aren't they have to learn the system as quickly as everybody else does where you know when you're it, when you're in a long-running show the system just sort of moves along with you well there you heard it folks to get your, <laughs> to get your foot in the door you've given them an array of <laughs> opportunities so. and also too is that you know the world just keeps on changing mm -hmm. and um we hope that there's a place for everybody when yeah. we get back to it. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, and, you know, laundry may change, too, with with the COVID. I don't know. I mean, I don't, again, I don't think it will that much because it's more about air than it is, it is dirty laundry. Yeah. But I think there may be some more aspects of maybe the actors, not do the laundry, but, like, sort their laundry differently or or touch more of it or i don't i don't know what the I answer is i can't tell is, you how but... many uh speaking as a former laundry person for <laughs> many shows uh how many times i had to pull socks inside out yeah oh yeah that's always a thing it's always a thing yeah and you can always tell sometimes you can always tell the it's always like the older guys like the grown-up got <laughs> the grown men in our show are always the ones who actually have their their socks pulled the right way and everything's you know turned the, and it's like the kids that come in and they're just yep. like these balls of socks but yeah, I mean, I don't know what that, I just, it's too hard. At this point, it's too hard to wrap my brain around. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but we'll, we'll see. We, we'll see. It'll we be have an time. adventure. It'll be an adventure, but it's great to talk about Thank it. You. And it's yeah. great to spend time with you and see yeah. you in person. <laughs> Thanks so I know, much. At least eyes up. <laughs> well, I, exactly. And hopefully in a few months, we can maybe jettison these at times. <laughs> or at least in the park or something. Yeah, sure. exactly. Uh, well, Laurel, it's been such a pleasure talking Thank you. With Thank you for you. having me. Sure thing. Uh, and, uh, are there places uh, that people could keep up with you and anything you have upcoming or just hear your hear, <sighs> hear your opinions and your and your rah-rah for the arts? I mean, if you drop my Twitter and my Instagram on the, if you link those, because I can't, one of them has three E's and one of them has two and I never remember which has which, but I know they're in my bio. <laughs> I'm Laurelina, but they're spelled differently on Instagram and Twitter. Um, 
I, I, I kind of have curated my Twitter. I feel like it's actually a useful feed just for like general, um, art, all general art support articles. But I mean, I think, and also me, you know, tweeting about the bachelor on occasion. Um, I, I, I've had a stop and start Etsy situation going that I just like, like so many other, like that article that like the article in the times this week, Tracy Letts and I have a lot in common. Neither one of us have a creative bone left in our bodies during quarantine. So I feel really good about that. But, um, I am trying to get some embroidery work and handwork and stuff up for sale. Um, I might do some masks again. You can always come visit Inwood Gourmet to visit me and some delicious cheese. It's on Cooper street folks on Cooper street, 95 Cooper street. Um, yeah, that's. I'm just sort of still kind of working my way through. It does feel like this last week has been. I feel like we've all felt a bit of a shift, the anniversary, and also with the you know the moving forward of of the vaccines and everything. But it's still we're. I'm still like wrapping my brain around where we're at and where we're going to be. Well, I, I I think the best advice anybody can give themselves right now is that give yourself a break. Yeah. Uh, you, there's no pressure on you. Except <laughs> just 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 make it through. Except that, like, I think about, like, I get through five hours at the cheese shop, and I'm like, how am I going to do a 14-hour load-in day ever again in my life? I have no idea. It's a lot different. Oh, God, yeah. And I bet your steps are quite lower than the time you're at the Fox Theater running downstairs and cross stage and back up again. Yeah, the I mean, the the warmer weather has also been, I think that's also been, along with this, like, sea change we're all feeling, we're all finally, like, getting outside again, because that, we didn't have the most harsh winter ever, but just being stuck inside didn't help. No, it didn't. No. But uh, hopefully, but hopefully, sunny days. Hope I say hopefully sunny days, metaphorically and actually, <laughs> and are actually, exactly. are very much on our on our way for all of us. Yay! Now. Well, again, uh, listeners, we'll do our best to get uh, some of those links up on our description <laughs> of this you. episode. Sorry, I never know which was which. That's okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll do our, our Scrabble and see which letters, <laughs> which, which which E's we can we can we can move around to make the right uh, the hashtags. Yeah. But uh, and uh, but thanks again, Laurel, for joining me on this artist spotlight episode of In What Artworks on Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show some love for us right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Many thanks to Dykeman Farmhouse Museum here in Inwood, New York City, for hosting us and to HeightSites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from the NYC and Company Foundation with support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer and the Niska Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan at the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for joining us. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.